to me, sports is entertainment. I mean, I also take sports way too seriously. Don't get me wrong. I'm a complete lunatic. I mean, when the Lakers play, my blood pressure is on the moon. But I know it's really just entertainment. And this podcast is about the entertainment in sports. What makes a sports moment great? What makes a moment entertaining? So the intersection between sports and entertainment is a lane that's always been of interest to me. I worked on TV shows about sports comedy. I made a short sports documentary on Mr. Whammy, the Nets fan who puts a curse on the other team's free throw shooters. This podcast is supposed to be funny. Some of my favorite movies are are funny sports movies. White Men Can't Jump, Major League, Play It to the Bone. (laughs) I don't really like Play It to the Bone. I said it in case any of you remember that movie. My guess is if you know it, you got a little chuck out of hearing that title. So... I wanted to explore whether this podcast could ever cover a sports movie. Are any sports movies good enough to make the first Bell Hall of Fame? So what are we going to start with? Well, how about a funny sports documentary? Farrell takes the field, fellows. Comedy legend Will Farrell, as he got the chance to play for 10 Major League Baseball teams in one day. Part charity, part live-action comedy sketch, Farrell filmed Farrell takes the field during spring training in 2015. Will played shortstop for the Oakland A's, second base for the Mariners. He takes Mike Trout's spot in center for the Angels. He's third base coach for the Cubs, left field for the Diamondbacks, third base for the Reds. He hits for the White Sox, catches for the Giants, pitches for the Dodgers, and plays right field for the Padres. And who's here to discuss all of this with me? How about a cast member from the hit Apple Plus sports comedy series, Ted Lasso? It's sports, entertainment, comedy, and the world's best Lakers fan. The show keeps growing. This is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I am your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, Pod Strickland himself, Mr. Not Always Right But Never Wrong, coming to you as always from the Shaquille O'Neal Office Depot, big and tall, executive suite, desk chair in my basement. Today's episode of the First Ballot Hall of Fame podcast could be sponsored by Goldberg Eats Corn the Long Way. What is that? Well, on the great wrestling podcast, Deadlock Wrestling, host John Blood was watching an old match and noticed a sign someone was holding ringside. There's a gigantic big one wrestling.com sign during this match and also a sign that says Goldberg eats corn the long way, which I, <laughs> I I'm not really sure if that's true. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask him about that one. I don't think that's true. That's the greatest insult ever. You ain't going the long way. I don't think Goldberg does that. I'm not. I want to say that guy's lying. That's a top tier sign of all time. Goldberg eats corn the long way. I've thought about that clip and joke every single day since I saw it. If you don't know, Goldberg is a wrestler. He's a professional wrestler. Total badass. He's bald. Gigantic muscles. Great deep voice. The idea of him eating corn, quote, 
the long way is just really my favorite thing ever. I think it's probably the funniest like sports sign I've seen at a sporting event. Uh, the only competition I can think of is uh, I saw a college game day at a Florida State um, college football game. Peter Work, if you remember him, legendary Seminole wide receiver, Peter Work, got arrested for grand theft. I think he absconded with some clothes from like a department store while he was in college. I think the next game or the, maybe two weeks later, uh, Warwick and Florida State played college game day live broadcast there on campus. And some lonely, like smart ass student slowly, like behind like Lee Corso and Chris Fowler, like just slowly raises up a sign that says Peter Warwick stole my bike, which I just thought was fantastic. I'm all in on signs at games, more signs, take them all. I don't care. I want to laugh. I have a standing offer with my best friend, Jay, that if we're ever on the Jumbotron together at a sporting event, I have to immediately and with full force punch him right in the face. We understand that we'll be thrown out. We understand we'll never be allowed back in. That's fine. We're giving that to you, the people. It's going to be a blast. Anyways, Goldberg eats corn the long way. The funniest I've ever seen, funniest sign I've ever seen. If I can find the guy who made that sign, I'll induct him into the first battle hall of fame without any conversation whatsoever. Thanks to deadlock wrestling podcast for bringing it to my attention. And maybe someday this podcast will be sponsored by Goldberg eats corn the long way. Will Farrell's charity driven comedy baseball documentary. Farrell takes the field is without question, a great moment in sports entertainment, but is it a first ballot hall of famer? Well, as you know, we have to decide that today and we will. And here to do it with me, is a very special guest. I'm so tickled to have this man on the show. He's my friend, but more importantly, he is a truly hilarious comedian, comedic actor and writer. Maybe you've seen him on Inside Amy Schumer, Late Night or The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, AP Bio, Vice Principals alongside Danny McBride. He was on the late great Detroiters. He's on an episode of the brand new Perry Mason. He's on Killing It with Craig Robinson on Peacock. He's one of the co-stars of the new action comedy True Lies on CBS and Paramount+. And he's a brand new part of the Emmy-winning ensemble and show. The number one comedy in the world, Ted Lasso. Plus, he was the star of Network on Black20.com. It's Mr. Mike O'Gorman. <laughs> Thanks for that. What a great intro. Can I stop tickling you now? Mike, I'm so glad you're here. My heart is full that you're here and we get to talk. It's been such a long time. Thank you so yeah. much for doing the show, buddy. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Ever since we stopped working together, I've been patiently and anxiously waiting for your moment to sort of break out in a big, wide way in the entertainment business. And to me, that moment is happening right now. It's so exciting. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I have nothing to do with your career, but I'm strangely so proud of you. You are so prodigiously funny. There's, To me, there's nothing that you won't make funnier. And I feel like oh. people are starting to see that in the things that you're in now. You're one of my favorite comedic actors ever. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks again for doing it. Thanks, man. Thank you. That's um, that's very kind of you. You moved to Los Angeles like a coward a couple years back. We drifted apart. It's fine. Is there, in, in, in all the shows that I just mentioned, is there an actor you really loved working with? Is there someone that you worked with and you're like, wow, I have a great chemistry with this person, or I didn't know how funny this person was? Who is it in the last 10 years that you've been working in Hollywood? Who is it that you worked with that you go, this person was fantastic to work alongside. There's different levels of that. Cause there's like working with someone like 
you know, McBride or Jason Sudeikis where you go, oh, like I've looked up to these guys mm. for so long. Mm. Then you work with them and then you, you know, they're great. Mm. They're just as nice as you hope that they would be. Um, but then on another level, like Erica Hernandez, who plays my partner on True Lies, that's a tough thing because when you get a role and you're just paired with someone mm -hmm. without knowing anything about them, really, mm -hmm. um, that can be messy. But we get along great and we're like great friends now. So Yeah, that's amazing. You guys are great on the show together. Uh, uh, I you. have questions coming up about both Ted Lasso and True Lies. But before we yeah. dive into your career, can we talk a bit about another way people might know Michael Gorman, the singer? You've been in a ton of bands, but correct me if I'm wrong. The most successful song Michael Gorman has ever written and performed is I Am a Building. Is that true or false? <laughs> that is uh, abundantly true. I think. <laughs> <laughs> For people that don't know what we're talking about, I Am a Building is I'm told. I didn't. I don't know. I'm not on TikTok. I didn't know. But apparently on TikTok, I have a college buddy that has like teenage kids. And he messaged me one day and goes, didn't you make I'm a building with like your buddies? And I was like, yeah, why? Apparently a, a song that you wrote for a web series that we made years ago called Network, black20.com, uh, someone found and like made like a TikTok trending thing. Yeah, I, I heard that from like over over the past year or something. I heard that from like four different people. <laughs> And so <laughs> it's crazy because I just I remember sitting at my desk plunking out those piano chords and just be like, what, you know, writing the dumbest thing we can think of. Um, so it's so funny that like so many years later, it just became this lit up on TikTok of all so, places. It didn't so even exist when the thing was written. <laughs> <laughs> it's also funny because like like becoming a hit song on TikTok is like a big deal. Like for in some right. insane way the music industry has allowed children to make the decision for like music artists and like what becomes successful because it's all about like what takes off on TikTok and you wrote some fucking stupid song that became apparently a massive hit on TikTok. Mike, will you sing? Do you know the words to "I Am a Building"? Will you sing it live right now? Do you have the guts? I think I can. I think I could manage a couple phrases. <laughs> boom, boom, boom! Don't be racist. I am a building, and I've got news for you. Wait, I don't know. Yeah, hey, yeah, that's right. Steven, blacks and whites are even. How would you feel if the joke was on you? Blacks, whites, Indians, and Spanish, they all come from the sea. <laughs> we all have to share the same world. <laughs> Trixie, won't you sing with me? And then Trixie comes in. She sings a line. Yeah, that's about all oh I got. Oh, my I think, for God. That's fantastic. The The premise is that you guys are down by the waterfront there. <laughs> yeah. In Brooklyn. Yeah. And, the, and a couple of skyscrapers come alive, and the, they sing to you guys, which... I don't know why we did that or why we thought it was funny. I'm not certain it's funny now. I really appreciate that some kids thought it was at least interesting enough to put in their little TikTok videos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I really feel like to this day, uh, the most fun I've had in my career is working with you guys on, on that web series. That was so much, you guys were so much fun to work with. It was, it was so much fun. And I'll tell, and I told, I told you about the lasso thing. I was at the premiere. This is a, you know, we're talking about a web series that we produced over yeah. a decade ago. It's, <laughs> um, and 
uh, I was at the premiere of Ted Lasso and the only recognition I got the whole night was someone turning around in the restaurant that I was in after and telling me that he was a big network fan. Oh my God. And that same thing happened on the red carpet at the premiere for vice principals. Uh, I was doing the, the carpet and they, and some, some uh, tech webs, like some blog or whatever, um, asked a couple of questions about vice principals and then went, when do you think uh, we'll get a network TV show oh or a network God. movie or something? And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> What's it like? So to it, do it's a- happening at two premieres. It's amazing. I buy it, and you're. I couldn't agree with you more. I've done a shit job as a host right now, setting up what the hell we're even talking about. Yeah, we did a <laughs> web series years and years and years ago that we loved doing. It was so much fun. It's called Network. It's still on YouTube. Don't watch it. It's far beneath all of our all of your time. But uh, it was so much fun to do, and I really, it's. I really blame you guys for me being in this industry because. Making you guys laugh, you and Michael Torpy, another actor, friend of ours, making the two of you laugh uh, was thrilling. I, we yes. went to Los Angeles. We worked at NBC and we were doing like a web series for NBC. We went to Los Angeles and I remember sitting in the front of a car and s- trying to thinking they just laughed at something I said. And if I can say something else to make them laugh, it felt so good. It was like, I imagine... It's the story of like when a stand-up goes, I got on stage and I told my first joke and everybody laughed and I was like, oh my God. But I would never do that. I would never get on stage. I would never do stand-up. But making you guys laugh in that car made me feel so good that then it it condemned me to a a, a life of misery in this terrible industry. Thanks to <laughs> yeah. you. I mean, I had the same feeling with you guys. It, like, you know... <clears throat> getting you guys to laugh was thrilling but you're right then you chase that yes and it's not always the case with people and it sucks awful the worst (laughs) wish i hadn't done it totally blame you my my first shot of heroin was the best stuff (laughs) (laughs) i really i really feel like the the great unfinished business in my career is doing something with you and and Torp, that would be so much fun. I hopefully someday we'll get to do it. Why don't you be? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you keep being a huge star and a successful uh, <laughs> comedian and person that people are like, we got to work with this guy, and then drag me and Torp along. That'd be great. <laughs> well, I'm not doing a very good job because, like I said, I was at the Ted Lasso premiere, <laughs> and somebody <laughs> recognized me from a web series I did 15 years ago. <laughs> Mike, before we dive into our moment and decide whether Will Ferrell's Ferrell takes the field and makes our first Bell Hall of Fame, I need you to table set for me. I, you are not a giant sports fan. For the record, I wanted no. Mike to come on and discuss this movie. He's not a giant sports fan. It doesn't matter. He's so goddamn talented and funny. I want him on the show. But I have to ask this question because I've asked everybody up until this point. Table set for me. What's your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete of all time? It can be whatever you want to say. I guess I have the most experience with baseball. I was a big Yankees fan as a kid, being from New York. Uh, I actually, it is, I still enjoy going to games, but I made the mistake, same sort of situation as the um, the chasing that laughing feeling is, I ended up get to, getting to go to two games at Yankee Stadium in the Legends box. Uh, yes. And I did one in, one in Dodgers Stadium too, and now I can't, I can't, can't see baseball any other That's way. Right. I'm not right. going back. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still thrilling to go to a ball game. I my favorite athlete <clears throat> of all time 
I probably have to say it was Ricky Henderson. Yeah. On the, in the, in the few years that I did play little league, I was not good at hitting at all, but I was a good runner and he yes. was, you know, the record yes. holder for a while. Yes. Stolen bases. So yeah, I loved Great Ricky answer. Henderson. Ricky's the best. Um, Ricky's was my favorite baseball player growing up. We did a podcast on Ricky oh, earlier this, this, this year already. Uh, Mike, we got to dive into our moment to decide whether Farrell takes the field, makes it into the first bell hall of fame. We have to go through our hall of fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The first credential is analytics, the stats, the numbers behind this uh, movie. Will Farrell five different games in five different stadiums for 10 different teams, all for charity, he, uh, as far as his baseball career, not much to speak of here. He fouls one ball off, struck out a couple times. He doesn't get a put out on a bunt for the Dodgers. Not too much to show in terms of stats. I also don't know how successful this documentary or mockumentary mock was. Had you seen this doc before I asked you to watch it? No. Yeah, I, I, no, I, and I, I knew. And I, and I remembered it, but yeah, when yeah. you sent it to me, I remembered it, but it. I've never seen it. It's fun. So I, I don't know if people have watched it. By the way, uh, Farrell Takes the Field could sponsor this podcast as well. Listen, somebody throw me a buck. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Um, I hadn't seen it either. Uh, so the analytics, you know, not much to speak of here. There's nothing here to support uh, this thing getting into the first battle hall of fame. Mike, can I start asking you questions about Ted Lasso? Yeah, of course. <laughs> You're on Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? That's a, <laughs> it's a pretty – It's a. it's insane. You know, I don't know if you watched the show, but in the second season, the episode where they lose to uh, Manchester United, yes. Coach Beard, at the very end of the episode, Coach Beard goes off and they give a big uh, crane shot of a five-story building and there's a, a ad for O'Gorman's Irish Whiskey so on the side of the building. Funny. And they had that was digitally put in there. Because I know all those guys, and it was a nod to me. And "Don't Look Back in Anger" by Oasis is playing over oh the my gosh. show, so it was just like a "Hey Mike" kind of a thing. So and I was like, funny. so honored. And I was like, but that's as far into Ted Lasso right. as I'm right. going. Right. My journey ends here. <laughs> <laughs> so cut to whatever a year later, and I still kind of play music a little bit. And I had been asked to do a set of songs at my friend's show and opened for him. And I was running the set for that night. I was sitting on the end of my bed, just playing guitar, running my eight songs or whatever it was. And when I was done, I looked at my phone and I had a missed call from Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard, mm -hmm. who have also known for years, him and Jason and Joe Kelly, the co-creators. I had a, a missed FaceTime call from Brendan Hunt. And in my head, I went, well, that's a butt dial because you schedule that. You don't just FaceTime someone out of the blue. But I don't know why. Like, I let five minutes go by, and then was just like, I'll just see what he wants. Maybe he's doing something fun. I FaceTime him back, and it's him and Sudeikis. And they were like, hey, we wanted to see if you wanted to come to London oh and be in our God. little show. Oh, my God. Which is one of the first, like, offer-only roles I've ever gotten. I was just going to ask that. Gigantic thing. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so you're like, goes, how I mean, excited are you in that moment? Oh, I'm, I couldn't believe it. Oh. And I got off. I got off the phone and I called everyone because I was like, you know, because oh, I, I just have so many friends that are such huge fans right. of the show. Yes, and um, yeah. And he goes, one of the things he said to me that is that is sort of turning out to be true. We're like going up the roller coaster on this. He goes, mm. tells tells me what the role is, and he goes, uh, which um, it's at, it's it's out now, so I can probably say what it is. He plays uh, basically Ted Lasso's ex-wife's new boyfriend. Right. You're so he's not Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. So 
he goes, he tells me what the, what it is and what what the role is, and he goes, um, he goes, uh, Doctor Jake's like a nice guy, but people are gonna hate you. <laughs> and and there have been some Reddit threads sent to me that I've proven correct. <laughs> Is there official paperwork uh uh in terms of a divorce between um Ted and, and his wife? I don't remember if they if they officially got divorced, yeah, I but I have a feeling they did. I think did. you're cucking Ted Lasso. No, no, no. I I I I have a shit memory. I've watched every episode of the show including all of the episodes so far this year as of this recording. But I uh, don't remember if there's paperwork. I'm going to say there's not, and that you're a hundred percent cucking Ted Lasso. That's amazing. Congratulations. I think there is, but we can say it. We'll just say it's it. So awesome that you're doing that. I think it's fantastic that you're cucking Ted Lasso. I'm going to say it again. Mm-hmm. Um, what position do you play on the team, Mike, in, in the show? What position do you play on the team? What soccer position do you play? Oh, I don't, I don't. I <laughs> don't. No, they, they, I've never even been anywhere near scored, the pitch. They won't have you let me. scored a goal in one of the games on the show? Have you scored a goal? Do you have a soccer <laughs> nickname? Do they like call you a name? I have no, because I, I, you know, I have I've not played soccer on the show yet. Oh, but you wait. <laughs> I don't play so a will player. you? But you will be playing. Like, do you think you'll be? How does the season end? Can you tell us that? How does the season end this year for? Tenacity? Yes, absolutely. They, I play a therapist, and they ask him to join the team for next season. And you I don't do. know if you know this, but they are in fact doing another season of Ted Lasso. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I listen. I do want to. Can I pitch you? Can I soft pitch you a a, a thing? And again, it sounds like Please. you know the guy. It sounds like you know the co-creators. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying. If you want to bring this idea up, uh, I think it could work. I think that if you like, why not? Like people hate you. That's been established. The Reddit threads are there. I don't like your character on the show. It's affected my relationship with you as a person. Uh, If you got into a match on the West Ham team and you kick like the winning goal to beat Richmond, think about the guy that's that's cucking Ted Lasso coming in and like bicycle kicking the game winning goal at the end of the thing. And what I think is interesting, this is the angle. This is the angle I think you go that you approach this with. As you're like FaceTiming all these fancy famous people and leaving bums like me in New York. If you go, guys, the expectations are too high. The show has been too successful, and plenty of successful shows have gone. Let's continue to get great, to be great, or let's coast a little bit, and, like, it goes from great, and then, like, maybe it's, like, very good, and, like, maybe the good, and then you sort of wrap up at season six or seven or whatever when you're, like, oh, it's we've run its course and we're done. Or, or you could go... Let's completely cut against expectations here. Let's completely subvert those expectations and ruin the show. Your character becomes a major part, an absolute like soccer player. You kick it like your shirt, like your jersey doesn't fit. Like maybe the shirt like comes up to your waistband. So as you're doing athletic things, like I'm looking at the hair on your stomach and you like bicycle kick in like the game winning thing. What do you think? I think you should pitch that. I think it's great, and then I I look up I look up to get a, a big a big huge wave from Ted's wife and son. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like the, the son is calling you dad. He's like going, yeah. "Go, dad." <laughs> That's what they should do. Do you remember the? Do you remember your character, Paul Lassiter? Yes, I do. You pitched the character Paul Lassiter was a. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
British sports announcer who knows nothing about, like he gets brought up to the quote unquote big leagues of American television to call sports games, but he doesn't know anything about American sports. Is that right. not the case? It's, it's, I don't think it got that far. I think what it was, was like, like a Charlie Rose type of interview show right. that was exclusively athletes. Right. But and you so were like, Jiminy like Jiminy Glick, Jiminy Glick yes. for sports. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Basically, when he was just a British guy that had no idea who he was even talking to. That's so funny. We should have done. I mean, in a way, that's kind of like, you know, the seeds of that are in Ted Lasso in a strange, odd, sort of strange way. Anyways, yeah, Paul I didn't Lasso, even know those guys. That. Oh, it's so funny. Um, What's funny how- is like, I used to think if that ever went anywhere, if that show had ever gone on TV, how funny it would be for me to be playing that character or being in the show and who couldn't be less interested right. in the athletes that are right. coming through the revolving right. door of what that yes. show would be. And you've got so many people who would be totally on the floor. Like, you know, just, I, I want to do it. I, that, that's an idea. I've, I remembered because it's an idea I keep in my list of ideas, because if I ever get to do some sort of like sports comedy thing, I'm a hundred percent pitching that Paul Lasseter. And yeah, you coming on an interview I'll like do that it. would fit perfectly. You'd be so funny. Yeah, I think it'd be great. <clears throat> it'd be so good. And you just we just shoot it like a junket. Like you just set up shop and then just keep bringing dudes in. We'll shoot like twenty of them in like an hour and <laughs> have all this yes, content. Absolutely. Be so funny. And you, Jiminy Glicking stuff would be so good. You're so good at yeah. that stuff. Um, all right, let's get back into our our moment. The next credential is the eye test. What did you see in this movie that might help put it in the first Bell Hall of Fame? Mike, I'd like to pitch you a couple, uh, get your opinion on them. Uh, it, when he's playing for the A's, Will Ferrell is out. I think he's playing shortstop. And he there's a little moment where he yeah. takes out his wallet. And he's like, what do I do with my wallet? <laughs> and the guys are like, you leave it in the locker. I mean, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great moment. <laughs> he's so funny uh and then he plays for the angels the la angels of anaheim uh replaces mike trout which is perfect uh he he uh uh takes mike trout's hat and glove like he runs out in the center field and goes wait hold on you gotta give me your glove and your hat and then mike trout just runs off like without anything uh, uh to the bench uh it does make a beautiful play crow hops a ball and hits the relay man mike you understand what those words mean uh vaguely i'm using context clues <laughs> uh he he does get a bat on the ball before striking out as a white sock he catches for the giants and calls for an intentional walk which i thought was very funny being a catcher and immediately calling for the intentional walk uh and then he fields a fields a bunt for the dodgers makes the play mattingly visits the mound and will walks off the mound so donnie can't get the ball all very funny uh, what do you love? Right. Is there a Will Ferrell project of Will Ferrell movie that you love the most? And also, would you say it's would you say it's fair? Is it fair to say that you're influenced by Will Ferrell? Because I think of you as like very Will Ferrell ish. Yes, hundred uh, percent. I would I I would have to say for sentimental reasons, Anchorman yeah. is probably my favorite. I think I think I saw that movie ten times in the theater. Ugh. Is it was he, so good. Is he the biggest? Who's the? Who is the biggest influence on you comedically? Is there a singular talent? I, he'd be up there for sure. Rowan Atkinson and Will Ferrell oh, probably. Mister um, Bean. And and I don't even. I mean, I like Mister Bean. Okay, but uh, Black Adder is one of the funniest things so I've ever already, seen. You're already way off me. I don't know anything about non Mister Bean. Oh, Rowan it's Atkinson. a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Black Adder is a like a horse historical comedy. 
uh, that takes place. Like every every season is a different uh, era in British history. Uh, and he always he usually plays like kind of the peon to like whoever the you know right, the army general right, or the king right, or whatever. Right. Um, and he's miserable and just a, he's just a nasty piece of shit. <laughs> so funny. You are the closest uh, thing to being British uh, when, when and not being a British person. Um, that's a very Mike O'Gorman answer to. Um, yeah, to, to, that's a, true. I guess Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson, very <laughs> Michael Gorman, very British, mm-hmm. not British. Um, uh, True Lies. What's is Mike's uh, co-starring True Lies, which is amazing. CBS, Paramount Plus, wherever you watch it. Uh, what's that been like to film True Lies series? Where does where is it filming, or where did it film? We filmed we filmed in Atlanta. We wrapped in uh, mid January, but we filmed in Atlanta for just under six months. Six months. So you're in Atlanta for six months. Uh, we had we had a couple breaks. We had like the like a holiday break. So I went back up to New York for like a week or ten days. But yeah, I was down there pretty much the whole time. You know, wow. Steve Howie, like he has three kids, so he was back and forth more. Um, but I didn't have anything to get back to in LA, so right. I just hung out there and tried to enjoy the city when I had time off. Are you, is it, it seems like, and I, again, I don't know, but you playing a spy and like you sent me pictures of you like repelling and you're like holding guns and shit. That feels like the purest distillation of like the boyhood dream of, of becoming an actor. Is that the case? I was just going to say like, I I hope True Lies goes for like 10 years or 20 years because it is both. I get to be funny uh-huh. while get to be eight years old running in yes. the backyard, running around the backyard uh. again, because it's exactly what you would think. Like, it's just, you know, we get to do some of the stunts. We get to, you know, we're shooting guns off. We're, you know, uh. repelling down, you know, for rooftops. Um, so as like you, like as, as a child of the eighties who like mainline shows, like the A team and Knight yes. Rider and Magnum PI, yes. You wake up one morning, you're like, now I'm in one. Ugh. So I'm just, I'm like, I'm done. Like, I'm okay. Oh my God. It's <laughs> so cool. Are you, did you have to like take like, like uh, gun fucking training and shit? For the pilot, we did some extensive like handgun training and <sighs> that was great. And we did some stunt, a little bit of stunt training. When we got to Atlanta, they told us like the, you know, an hour long show usually shoots for like, nine between nine and 12 days sometimes we had seven to shoot an episode which is tight when you're doing all these stunts and explosions and all that stuff and so when we finally got to atlanta and they started the episode they just hand me an ar-15 and be like it loads like this and it goes like this action (laughs) 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 you know whatever not an ar-15 but like some kind of machine gun and then you know and I'm going to the guy who's like a former Marine. And I'm like, is this, is this single shooting or is this going to spray? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do you ever get afraid of something that they ask you to do? Like, you, I mean, the picture you sent me, you're like on a fucking cable, like repelling down from the yeah. ceiling or some shit. That, are, is, is there any like – because I also – and I, I don't mean this in a negative way, Mike, but I don't think of no. you as like the most athletic person that I know. Are, do you, you ever get nervous right. about a stunt? <laughs> well, first of all, I'll say this. There is an adrenaline that happens when there's a 200-person crew and a camera oh, on you. Man. Like, 
but the the repelling scene in the second episode was a little uneasy because it was directed. The director was um, this guy Robbie McNeil, who played Tom Paris in Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> so that for me was like, so now I'm like double geeking out. There was one. I'll tell you a quick story where where he decided he was going to block shoot three scenes together because it all took place in one area, and he was like, yep. "We'll just bang it out." Yep. But there's a lot of dialogue, and Steve Howe he goes. He goes, he goes, uh, the director goes, yeah, we can get this done. And Steve Howie goes, you think so? And I go, he broke the Ward 10 barrier in a shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he's doing. <laughs> for, people that, <laughs> for people that might not know Mike, humongous, gigantic nerd of the highest order. Yeah. Uh, that's very funny. That's so, so funny. The the repelling from the roof thing was interesting because we'd never been on cables before any of us, and so they bring us up about thirty or forty feet, and the warehouse for you know for the look and effect is filled with fog from from a machine. Right. So on the last take that we did, uh, Robbie McNeil, the director, he said, "Let's get let's fan some of the smoke out." And suddenly you can see the floor. <laughs> oh my god! And you're like, oh, it was the last two were easy because I couldn't see. <laughs> I didn't know how high I was. <laughs> so oh my it's um. God. Sometimes it's dicey, but sometimes it's like most of the stuff is like now like you know Captain Kirk shoulder rolls and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I like I, I my mind wants the show to go forever, but some days my knees don't. You I know that. I want the show to go on forever so that some fan or like for like an anniversary episode, CBS makes a uh, Luther action figure that you get to put on your desk. I think of you well, as, the, as a big toy guy and I want badly for you to have a Michael Gorman action figure. My makeup artist, uh, I forget it was, I think it was Christmas or my birthday. I forget which one, but she had, you know, those Funko Mm-hmm. pop toys mm-hmm. with the big heads mm-hmm. she had an artist make one of those of uh, luther oh my god uh, from the show and she gave it to me and oh my uh god Am- amber michael uh my makeup artist and she's uh i was like this is the most thoughtful gift i, I think bet. anyone's ever given I me bet. i bet he's got the gun and the tactical gear uh, and the hair is the way that the it was it's it was really thoughtful oh my sweet. god that's so amazing uh, Mike, big toy guy too, Michael Gorman. Um, the next credentials are ear test. Mike, what did you hear in these moments? I want to play you two moments. The first one, this is Will Farrell heading into the A's locker room for the first time. Let's take let's watch it together. What's your body fat percentage? Nine percent. Nine? Yeah. I'm right around nine. Right around nine? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. you are. Yeah. yeah. What's your bench? Yeah. Bench? Yeah. Uh you mean recently? Yeah. Did about one. <laughs> One and a quarter. One and a quarter. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see where you're at. <laughs> anyway, I'm just gonna get my uniform, just like you guys do. Yeah. Yeah. You should. It's still not a big deal. Yeah. Not a big deal at all. <laughs> <laughs> Will Ferrell. My favorite thing about this clip, when he gets asked, "What do you bench?" Will Ferrell goes to his nose and wipes his nose like you just did. That nose wipe reminds me of like you're the bit you used to do where you when you get nervous and you do those tiny touches and you're just like <laughs> no one can see this no one has any fun clue what we're talking I know, about I know. but the idea of you getting nervous and like just touch just like any sort of like touching 
of things yeah, to yeah. like just pass the time doing, like doing like the the finger walk yes you know, like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> i love i love all that stuff that you like improv comedians do to buy yourself just a little bit of time so you can stay yes. in the bed and keep going it's so much fun to watch <laughs> what do you think of of will as a uh, as an improv actor right? how good is he in this movie I, I I think he's I mean just classically one of the best because the what, what he's good at and what works here is he's not he's not trying to do anything super outrageous he's keeping yeah. it completely real yes. and that to me makes it 10 times funnier than if somebody was you know going like over the top with it yes. if it was like not and it's a different style but if it was like a Jim Carrey esque right. like approach to it it wouldn't work there's it's it strangely puts like the baseball stuff on on the main stage which i appreciate like there's mm -hmm. moments coming up that i want to play for you that i just it just like it takes like the like he against the cubs he's a the third base coach which is just i don't know why but just the even the phrase third base coach is just a perfect vehicle for comedy in my head like if i yes. say to you will ferrell is the third base coach instantly it makes me laugh like i don't i don't need to know anything that he does i just know he's got free room to make a ton of jokes and do all of those like baseball-y things like there's a moment right. where a guy hits a home run and will's got his hand out to give him a high five and like hits him on the ass and like points him to home in like a very <laughs> classic like third base coachy way and there's just something about him staying in the pocket staying in the character not going over the top that puts all that baseball stuff up front that really lets me appreciate it as a sports fan it's it's fantastic yeah i agree you're not coming to this for baseball but right. it's a great background yes. for what is happening absolutely um and here is the, here is that cubs moment uh here pardon here's another cubs moment um which i just want to play this this also made me laugh this is Will uh, as again he played third third base coach. This is talking about Will, uh, this is Will talking about inspiring the Cubs uh, as a team. With his hands and arms, but also he's got some uh, signs next to him. The Chicago Cubs. Let's put the hankies away. Let's take our diapers off and let's play ball. Stop being Cubs. Let's be Bears. Not the Chicago football Bears, but the Chicago baseball Bears. Mike, I, I actually want to ask a bit more about your taste in, in comedy and creative because uh, you know we haven't we haven't been together in so long, and so I want to ask uh, where you are with uh, in terms of the things that you love. You're passionate about the the media and stuff that you like, and so I want to get your opinion on these things. I recently saw that Rick Rubin started a podcast, uh, and his first oh. fucking guest is Phil Jackson, so former Lakers and Bulls legendary coach Phil right. Jackson, Rick Rubin, and Magic Johnson, the best producers I've ever witnessed. I have photos of them up in my office. Rick Rubin and Phil Jackson, maybe my favorite coach of all time. It's only it's yeah. too much. I haven't listened to the podcast because this the it's so high in my head. Like in my head, right. that's art of the highest order. And I don't I, I I'm worried about them falling short. I'm worried about me not liking it. Right. And so I haven't listened to it yet. The other day I'm walking around, I'm doing like yard work. I see that Julia Louis Dreyfus has started her own podcast called uh Wiser Than Me where she's mm -hmm. talking to women, getting advice from women that she feels like are wiser than her. her one of her first guests, Fran Leibovitz, who is like oh, David right. Letterman and Norm MacDonald, 
Fran Leibovitz and, and Julia Louis Dreisfuss. Those are like the that's like the top. That's like my yeah. Mount Rushmore. I yeah. can't believe they're on a podcast together. I found that episode undeniable. I had to listen. I couldn't get through the intro without tearing up. And then Fran has me laughing from the gut 20 seconds in. I'm taking so notes. I'm rewinding. I'm re-laughing to p- parts I've already heard. Yeah. I made my wife listen to it. And all I keep thinking about is Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Fran Leibovitz on the mic, new show, and all I keep thinking is, you guys can't, you better not miss. This is like mm-hmm. two titans, two monsters. And I'm just thinking, you gotta fucking deliver. And they did. Yeah. They over-delivered. And I just think about moments like that where it's like, this is one, it's truly that episode, that podcast. Go listen to it. Stop this. Go listen to that episode. Come back. One of right. the best things I've listened to in ages. And those two when the when the lights are brightest, when they're on a podcast together, those two deliver. And I feel like that's what life is. And it doesn't it's sometimes it's you know creative and it's entertainment. And since sometimes it's just life. Hey, the lights are on. You gotta perform right now. Can you do it? And I felt like Julia yeah. Dreyfus and Fran Leibovitz performed. It was amazing. Here's my question. Giant, giant, long drawn out introduction to this question. Here's my question. Having nothing to do with you, what is a moment you think about a lot? It could be in the production of art. It could be a band that you like, a movie. Is there a moment like that that you go, this is something that I love and I think all the time about how they came together, made this thing, or what it was like to write this song or make this movie or star in the, act in this, in this scene. Is there a moment that you think about and that you're passionate about? Wow. I mean, something I think about quite often um is uh being five years old my dad was a uh television producer and took me to the set of the cosby show and whatever whatever you want to say about cosby right right. he took me to the set and we ran around so to have the the blinders taken off where you Mm -hmm. see like the stairs to nowhere Mm -hmm. and you know like it's all one level like there's no actual second floor to the Mm -hmm. house and, and all that stuff so that's like having that happen at such an early age I, I think about that a lot. Like how long would the illusion have gone if I hadn't seen that or whatever. Mm. Um, but then also like, you know, I think about like the whatever 12 or 13 Oasis concert I went to yes. because th- they're my favorite group of all time and they're not together anymore. Yes. Like they do solo stuff, but um, you know, so, so those moments are pretty powerful. I think. Did you love the Oasis doc? Supersonic? Yes. Yeah, I, I did. I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was yeah, really, really good. Uh, I think I saw it on a plane somewhere, but I was really, and I'm not a, I'm not, I would, I'm not even like a giant. I mean, I love music, but I'm yeah. not like a music guy like you are. Like, you're really passionate about music. You're a musician. You sing. You, you write music. We just heard I Am a Building. So you really care about uh, Oasis. <laughs> I didn't know anything. I didn't know jack shit about them. So I was like, it was all brand new to me. I really love it. It's that. a fun story. Yeah. It's all I just, music. it's a, insane that in 1990, two or three wherever they whenever they did their first album that somebody had the wherewithal to be bringing a camcorder mm-hmm. everywhere they went because mm-hmm. they don't seem like the kind of guys that would right. care so you have all this like footage from the thing and it's not just like sit down interviews the whole time i feel like uh them no longer working together makes what they did more unique because it's like it was a fleeting thing it was like they were there and they were the fucking top of the mountain i mean again i i you yeah. know this is i'm tipping my hand in terms of how old i am but like when I was in high school or fucking college, I can't remember which, 
uh, Oasis was the fucking kings. Like they fucking dominated. Yeah. They were huge. And then now that they're no longer around uh, as a group, at least uh, to me, makes it uh, a fascinating moment um, in yeah. music and in, in the music industry. Uh, Oasis oh, I agree. Yeah, I'm actually going to see Noel Gallagher in June. In you LA, know, he he uh, he did a. Um, I do you remember the VH1 morning talk show VH1 Big Buzz Live? I do. I was on there. I think a couple Were you of times. Really? Oh my god! Yeah, they uh, he Noel. I uh, I think I was doing paternity leave for some producer that was on there, and uh, Noel Gallagher came on and did a song of off one of his mm-hmm. solo uh, solo albums, and I found him to be very thoughtful and very smart and very funny. Uh, and he's, he's so funny. He's not the fucking loud ass, the loud mouth, uh, like aggressive one, right? No. Yeah, I can't remember. But I found them both. I mean, it's, and it's it should it it's never it should never be a surprise that the guy that uh, the artist, particularly in art, the artist that goes on and has this massive success, they're always fucking like super fucking smart, always. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I met Conan once and was like completely taken by his handle of the English language. Um, those those guys are always fucking super smart i I couldn't agree more i think such a a huge ingredient in what makes conan o'brien funny and that's one of my favorite podcasts is conan o'brien needs a friend um one of one of the biggest ingredients is in his humor is his vocabulary yes and to be able to pull different words out and that's that can be very funny absolutely uh, same thing with Letterman. His like turns of phrases, like all those like little old old school sayings that he brings back. I just love that shit. Yeah, hundred um, percent. What's the what's been the best moment? Of, can I ask this? What's been the best moment of your career so far? I gotta I gotta say True Lies because I know it's more recent, but the the thing about that too was, um, I was it was I was pretty desperate for a job at the time, mm-hmm. and it was like. I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't get this, mm-hmm. but the chances of me getting this are so slim. Right. So I did a lot of walking around and just like almost kind of manifesting that. Right, right. And then to get a show, like we were saying before, that has everything I like in it yes. is like was, you know, that was, th- th- there were tears in the eyes. Amazing. I know we've yeah. bemoaned this industry before and uh, it, it is, it's awful. Uh, it's just the worst. And I feel like for, for me, and I, I say this a lot to a lot of guests that I have on, but it, I, I don't know. I guess it's because I feel so close to you because I've known you for so long, and I certainly knew you before yeah. you were had any of this success. Uh, you probably look at your career and go, I wish I was further, or I wish I had more work, or whatever the case might be. And I just want you to know that from my perspective, and certainly from everyone else's perspective, they look at you and go, fucking, that's so awesome. What an awesome career. You're on Ted Lasso. You're starring as a spy in fucking True Lives. You're repelling. You're shooting AR-15s. Like, it's, you're <laughs> FaceTiming with, uh, with what's his name? I mean, it's just uh, amazing. I, I hope that you take a moment to sort of recognize where you're at in your career, what's going on, where you're mm-hmm. headed. Your trajectory is straight up. And I hope you take the time to appreciate it because it's really awesome. I think it's – I'm so proud of you. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I think personally, you always are trying to climb higher, mm-hmm. but it's not lost on me that like there was a, I had an actor friend a couple of years ago who had done a couple of Hallmark movies and some mm-hmm. theater and stuff, but wasn't really making a mark the way she should have been. And she said, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I quit. I'm like, look, you have to realize that you've done some uh-huh. really cool stuff. Yep. It might not be all the stuff right. that you want, but right. it's 
you got to internalize every once in a while and go, yeah, fuck. I, I've I've done movies. I've done whatever their hallmark movies, but I've been on film. Like I've done, that's far higher than most actors get their whole career. So, yeah, it's, so, it's yeah. Impo- like I feel like you have to be pretty goddamn competitive to be in this industry to begin with. So when you get a show or a thing and then it wraps up and it only does a season or whatever, I feel like the people in it have the tendency to go, that was a failure or that didn't succeed or right. they're not coming back to do that. And so like you chalk it up in the loss column. But the truth is, is you are a working actor. You are a working producer or working director, whatever the case might be. And the yeah. line of people that would trade uh, positions with you to do what you're doing is like would wrap around the fucking earth a hundred times. So it's, it's, I yeah. just think it's amazing. And I hope that you appreciate it. It's, it's uh, definitely it's so exciting it's, it's to all, watch your career, but also it's, there's a, um, there's kind of a settle down that happens too. Cause like I was chasing all these or not chasing them, but I was getting all these like little guest stars on like things like AP bio and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I was mostly playing the guy that's with the girl that the main guy wants to be so with. Funny. <laughs> so I was doing that forever and not getting anything regular. And then I, in one of those down moments there where I just like, there was a drought and I hadn't worked in a little while. I think I said to Pat Driscoll first, I was 38 and I went, God, I would kill to just have like a CBS hour long so funny. blue bloods yeah, or something like right. that. And cut to when we shot the pilot, it was 41, but it was like, I don't need the big movies right. and stuff anymore. Right. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm out of, you know, once 30 hit, I kind of was like, you know, this is good enough. Um, and I, and I, I definitely don't really care about fame. And as, as the older I get, the less I want it yeah. or the less I, you know, the less I want any of that stuff. So it's just like the work, but yeah, all that kind of settles as you age a little bit and wherever you're, you know, where, where the different point in your life you, you are. I bet. Um, the next credential, we got to keep moving. The next credential is test of time. This is when we compare this movie against other moments like it in, in history. There are a lot of very funny baseball movies as I'm sort of looking through it. Major league world-class mm-hmm. Sandlots. I mean, both, both of those movies, oh, old school sort of problematic moments as well. And let's just fast forward through those. Enjoy the rest of the movie. Uh, the battered ba- bastards of baseball was a really good sports doc. The lonely Island guys made the bash brothers experience. I don't know why baseball is such a good um, vehicle for comedy. We were sort of discussing that earlier on. I feel like there's a lot of room for talking in baseball. It's like a slower game, and so it's funny. Uh, do you have right. a favorite sports movie, Mike? Do you have a favorite? Uh, do you have a favorite sports movie? And then the the sub question is, what's your favorite movie in general? It's been a while. You've seen a lot of movies since I, I used to know you. I feel like you mm-hmm. answered like a Star Wars or a Star Trek years ago. But do you have a favorite movie now? It's favorite sports movie and a favorite movie. Favorite sports movie, I want to say Major League because I've seen that recently, but I also love Necessary Roughness with so Scott good. Bakula. Yes. Um, there's a lot of fun Scott moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got Robert Loja, like, there's a good, good cast. And, um, uh, yeah, so that's a good one. Uh, I just actually, from my brother's podcast, did uh, who's the actor that plays the coach in uh, Major League? Oh, 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 I don't mustache. know his name. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what he's talking yeah. Do you do an impression of him? Well, I was just doing, they just had me, I forget what the lines were because they just had me reading their stuff, but, it, you know, he's got a very gruff voice like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember that actor's name, but I have a character actor bit that I want to do later with you. 
uh, because I know you love characters. I have foggiest idea what that guy's name is, but cl- a classic. Actor and I just read it yesterday, role. and I can't think of it. But um, favorite movie of all time is without a doubt Train Spotting. But now I go between Train Spotting and Train Spotting Two, and I couldn't believe with twenty years between them that they made that sequel as fantastic and yeah. great as it is. Yeah. A great answer. Again, a very British Mike answer. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're, we, we, you just did a bit of a mini impression there. Mike O'Gorman, one of the finest impressionists I know. I don't know. I feel like impressions are like an old school entertainment, like comedy thing. I love them. I think they're brilliant. I don't know what it is. I don't know why you can do them. I don't know what it is in your brain that lets you be in a good impressionist. Uh, but you're you're one of the best I've ever seen. Uh, if you've not seen Mike, you. his his impression reel is on YouTube. Go check it out. It's so much fun. Uh, we're gonna do some here today, Mike. I don't know if you know this. We're taping on the birthday of Mr. Tim Curry. Did you know that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no, even. I, don't I didn't know, know that. <laughs> That, your your ability, and again, that's the thing about Mike and his impressions is you don't just do the voice; you can take the voice and then like bend the character. It's like a character, and you can bend it into whatever scenario you're in. And you being able yeah. to take my question and fold it right into your impression. I mean, I didn't set it up that way, but of course you nailed it. And that no is is the like way I was introduced to your Tim Curry impression. It's just you saying no, right? <laughs> I just was. Uh... I just was breaking down my um, – I was yes. on Pete Holmes' podcast a couple months ago, and I'm breaking it down where so I was good. telling him. It's like, you know, if you could do the lower modulated voice, yes. well, then you, you put a French accent on it, and it becomes Andre the John. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm gonna If you haven't seen that, I'm going to post the clip on our socials. Uh, at first ballot, HOF on Instagram, at first ballot pod on Twitter. I realize they should be the same. I get it. Uh, the, 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 that it's, that's like the type of stuff you being able to break down the modulated voice, which, and I've always thought this about you. Your problem is if you do something like the modulated voice, like the kidnapper modulated voice that you just did, when you do that, unless people are seeing it live, the presumption is it's faked, but it's not. You're sitting here and you go from Michael Gorman to modulated in one fell swoop and, and, they have people have no reason to believe that it's real, but it's a hundred percent legit. Right, it is real. <laughs> and then you recognizing that if you just make that a touch a bit French, it becomes Andre the Giant is so goddamn funny. Working uh, with Sudeikis, I got a little of his down, and then I just, I turned it into like like a, a scene from Horrible Bosses Three. <laughs> so it goes, it'll, it'll go it'll go Charlie Day, Sudeikis, and then Bateman. And it's like you know these aren't good impressions, but it, it, you'll get it. Uh, it goes, uh, we need to think of something good, like blowing up a bank. <laughs> and Sudeikis goes, well, well, you know, that's not a bad idea. No more global bank. And then Bateman goes, hey, guys, guys, we're not uh, going to blow up uh, a bank. <laughs> what? What is it? Like, are you, do you... How do you do impressions? Do you just watch? Like, do you go, I'm going to do this impression of this person, then you start studying them? Do you just pick up on something? Because that's what, I mean, you've done impressions of me before, like grabbing my head. Like, you always notice, like, the small <laughs> things that people do that once you see, you'd never think about 
uh, yeah. or at least if you said to me, what does Jason Bateman do? I go, I don't know. He's very funny. But then the second you do it, I go, that's exactly what Jason Bateman does. What? How can right. you find those things? Are you looking for them? How does that work? I, I think I just pick up on mannerisms. Somet- sometimes I'm just fascinated by like a voice mm. uh, and that like – like Javier's uh, Javier Bardem's uh, monologue, "Walk and Talk" in Skyfall. I've tried to memorize that whole thing. And, uh, like <laughs> my, my grandmother owns an island much like this. You could walk across it in an hour. <laughs> One weekend we went there, and it was infested by rats. <laughs> I love I love that voice. So that's just all that is. And, and uh, I don't know when I was working with Sadekas, he would like he always like would touch his chin. And I like rub right. his beard. Right. So I picked that up from him. Uh, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. The Andre uh, and uh, Optimus Prime are both, they both have that like uh-huh. modulation issue there. It seems like it's fake. How did you, uh, do? can you do your Optimus Prime very quickly? Yeah. I, if I if I ever have the privilege of hosting SNL, I would love to do <laughs> this character like, on, like Optimus Prime on Weekend Update, but I'd have one of those shitty Halloween masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoking a cigarette with a leather jacket on, <laughs> and I call it Down and Out Optimus Prime. <clears throat> I don't know if I could. I haven't done that in a while. You know, it'd be like, uh, Colin, I'm just upset. <laughs> They've ceased to make Transformers movies. <laughs> I am Down and Out Optimus Prime. I'm up to two packs a day. <laughs> Give him like a Miller Light highlight or something. I don't know. I don't know how it's, you can't, it's very weird to watch you just sit there and be talking to me as Michael Gorman. And then you like, I see your throat like change just a little bit. And like, maybe you tuck your chin a little bit and then a completely different sound comes out. That sounds exactly (laughs) like this other thing that I know. That's such a weird process. Do you like, do you practice? I mean, you just said that you haven't done uh, Optimus in a while. Do you practice your impressions or do you, do you? No, I I mean, the only, the only one that I'm asked to do all the fucking time is Donald Trump. Yeah. So I, I just am the, the, wind up the monkey and see him go. <laughs> so that happens all the time. Uh, but I haven't really done any impressions in a very long time. That work doesn't really, right. I mean, I did Trump on Lasso, but I, like True Lies was not, they don't do that on that show. So those guys yeah, must no know, they must have heard your Trump and thought it was funny and were like, I'm going to write this thing in. It's not like you riffed the Trump yeah. thing. No, no, they they wanted that in there as like, that's his joke. Um, uh, which of your two great racist impressions, Ving Rhames and George Takei, which do you prefer of your great racist impressions? <laughs> Same Ving Rhames. Okay, good. Got it. Yeah. Um, uh, and then you also do Pierce Brosnan, which is uh, like, that's the, that's the other thing you do is you pick do like, of course you do Trump and you do Andre the sure, Giant, sure. Tim, but then the Tim Curry's and the Pierce Brosnan's I love because they're so, 90s they're so particular they're so unique well, nobody like, does them no one does yeah. them yeah yeah why can't we make your pierce brosnan impression into something way bigger than it is everyone <laughs> needs to hear your pierce brosnan impression do pierce brosnan say something he, like pierce brosnan well he used to do i remember like and this is this is pretty consistent of all the james bond actors when they get that role and it's so big and they don't really know how to do press right, yet right so in 95, I remember it vividly. I was watching, he was on, he was doing promotion for um, Goldeneye, which yeah. was his first movie. Yeah. And uh, his first Bond movie. And 
he's on Larry King Live. And, you know, he's, it's very subdued and it's very like, you know, well, Larry, you know, we're doing our best to, uh, you know, to not disappoint the fans. And, you know, it's just very straightforward. <laughs> Cut to like 20 years later and he's on Fallon and he's like, oh, I'm the November man. All <laughs> like, hail the November man. I'm Thomas Crown. Like, now he loves it. <laughs> do you are there impressions that you do that are more difficult to do than others like you do sam elliott albert finney you seem like you're working to do those like it seems like you're straining to do those a bit are those are there are there impressions albert that you do that not are tougher? a strain it's just like he's got this very particular way of talking it's almost like you almost like stick your tongue up to the, up on the roof of your mouth he just talks how most people would play drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Baruchel, Sam Elliott. Uh, you do so. Oh, you do um, a British and American Christian Bale. What's the difference between oh, those two? He's he's another one that has. Um, he's got like a certain certain way that he oh my God. holds his mouth and the way right. he has. It's not. A, I wouldn't even call it a speech impediment, but there's something. There's less air getting out when he talks. Right. So it's you know it's just about making that happen and then putting an accent on it. <clears throat> I haven't done that in a long time. That might sound like garbage, but yeah, I thought it was very good. Do you have any new obscure ones? I, I know all the classics that you do. Do you have any new obscure ones? You, you're just not working on it. I, I feel like you need to be I like really the fucking don't. rich little of our of our day. I know. You know what happened is. When I learned most of my impressions, I had I was driving a lot, mm. and now like even though I live in LA, I I basically walk everywhere and I don't drive very Funny. much. So, um, the, in the car is like where I basically people. Yeah, so funny. Um, uh, Mike, it's time for the MVP. Our next credential, the MVP, the most valuable part. What's the most valuable part of this moment? I want to submit to you again, the most valuable part of this doc for me. And again, maybe it's a mock, a mockumentary. I'm not certain. The the best part of this is a Will gets cut by the A's and Billy Bean. Let's listen to that together. Right. A pause, the wide of the pick. Bloomquist swings and misses. He's down on three pitches. And that'll do it for the Mariners. Nice work. Will Farrell survives, did not have a ball hit his way, and he's getting plenty of high fives as races back to the dugout. Great support all the way around, guys. Hey, let's carry this all the way to October. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a little issue here. Come what? For a we got an issue oh. over here. GM wants to see it down this way yeah. downstairs. Sure. Well, I'm happy to talk to him. Yeah. yeah. I'm happy to talk to him. Hey, Will. Hey. Nice to meet hey, you. Hey, Billy Bean. Nice yeah, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. you look great this has got to be good news. I don't think there is a person <laughs> on planet Earth that I hate more than Billy Bean. Before <laughs> you say a word. Yeah. I just want to say we've become a family, and these guys have accepted me with open arms, and it feels really good to be here, so I appreciate your support. Yeah. He is a blood-sucking liar who hides in his ivory tower in Oakland Memorial Coliseum, telling everyone who comes into his office, hey, do you want to watch Moneyball? This is a story about me. Here, here's, here's the bad news. We just traded to the Mariners. Hey, it's part of the game today. You know, I'll always take the high road, and that's just the way I live my life, and I've always lived my life that way. But he is a first-class asshole, and I'm not the only one who feels that. 
he, his, his again i mean you mentioned it earlier him staying in the pocket and like him going like oh yeah i'm excited to talk to the gm like him being like this has got to be good news it's, that <laughs> yeah. makes it so yes. much funny that's that's another thing that makes him funny is a lot of the a lot of the improvs he does are just things people would not say out loud yes, right yes. But like so like this must be good news like you wouldn't <laughs> say that out loud you would just think it <laughs> so funny uh mike i see the clock is almost running down on us it's almost time for america's favorite podcast segment it's called more important we're about to get some answers that are far more important than any of the bullshit we've been talking about up until this point mike are you ready for more important let's do it uh the music is playing the timer is ticking down and everything mike what is your favorite cereal oh it's, uh just regular um <laughs> i can't believe that's the question oh, oatmeal <laughs> <laughs> Who is the actor or director you would physically hurt someone to work with? So imagine this scenario. This person is sleeping. Someone's sleeping. You have to physically hurt that person that's sleeping. You have to cause them pain. You have to harm that person. But you can run out in the darkness. They'll never know it was you. Then, you, because you did that, you were allowed to work with this person, this dream person that you want to work with. Do you understand right. the question? Who would you work with? Who would you choose to work with? And also, who would you hurt? Oh, okay. Yeah, two parts. <clears throat> I think I'd hurt. I'd hurt my brother. Okay. Because I think he'd understand. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess in the tr- in the tradition of train spotting, I'd work with Danny Boyle. Most of my actors that I really want to work with are dead, because my <laughs> actors are like Leonard Nimoy and Roger Moore. <laughs> so. Uh, Mike, what's the best comedy thing for you right now? It could be a movie, a TV show, a viral video. Uh, it could be um, I'm, I'm a building. It could be uh, Goldberg eating corn the long way. That might be my answer. Do you have a favorite mm-hmm. comedy thing right now? Uh, when I was working in Atlanta, I was like, I had to work out a lot. And so I got very into podcasts, which mm-hmm. I had not been before. Mm-hmm. So like I said earlier, Conan's podcast, I look forward to every week. Um, uh, there, but there's, there's, a, there's a weird there's a fine line because he's such a good interview and did it for 30 years. These other celebrities with podcasts aren't exactly like good at that aspect of it. They have a star on that will draw you in, but like they just drag on questions or they, you know, they're just, they're too, you know, impressed with themselves. Abbott elementary. I like, I think that's it. It's mostly a podcast thing. You go to a movie theater. What kind of snacks are you getting in a movie theater? The old movie. Oh, the old silver. Well, I go to the Alamo Draft House in LA and they have like full restaurant. You know, it's basically like the menu you'd see at a Friday's. Right. You could right it. So to answer that question, probably like a vodka soda and a, and the chicken cordon blue sandwich. <laughs> 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 you know, movie food. Right. <laughs> Oh my God, uh, Mike! It's time for the induction speech. We got to wrap this thing up. You, for by the mm-hmm. by, you did great on um, on more important, fantastic. It's time for the induction speech. Uh, I, it's time I have to decide whether this thing is going in the first ballot Hall of Fame. Listen, I'm not putting this in the first, first ballot Hall of Fame. First. I really enjoyed watching it. I'm glad I saw it. It's on HBO Max. Go check it out. It's a worthy cause. It's it was all done for the Cancer for College Fund. I do have notes on the name of the foundation here. The the Cancer for College Fund. I got notes. Uh, doesn't matter. Support those fine folks. It's a good, it's a good, um, co- worthy cause. 
but this is not going to the first ballot Hall of Fame. This was a thinly veiled attempt to get Mike on the show, but to not expose him as a non-sports fan. I wanted to give him something he enjoys, Will Ferrell, comedy, <laughs> baseball. Listen, Mike, thanks for coming on the show. This isn't a first ballot Hall of Famer, but it was so much fun to talk with you, to see you again. I'm so impressed with what you're doing. I can't wait to watch it you to continue to grow. And um, thanks again so much for doing the show. I really appreciate it. Dude, thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. That's it. That's the show. My special thanks to Michael Gorman. Listen, everybody, jump on the Michael Gorman train now because the train is fucking leaving the station and the tickets are free. Do you hear what I'm saying? This guy's going to be huge. He's so funny. He's got a great heart. Support that man. We're all we got. Credits. Rob Babarucci edits the show. Jessica Singh produces it. Rhythm J on the beats. My special thanks today goes to Dave Easton and Andrew Goldstein. I appreciate you two and your support and help. Thank you, gentlemen. Go rate and review the show if you would, and please let me know if you do so I can thank you personally right here on the show. And in writing, too, I'm willing to write all of you a personal letter of thanks. Thanks for listening to the show. The show keeps going. Please come back next week for more First Ballot. All hail the November man. I'm Thomas Crown.